Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. I need the coffee this morning. Did anybody else just want to roll back over in bed when you heard that thunder? There's nothing that makes me want to go to, go to sleep more in the morning than hearing thunder. It makes it harder to get up, doesn't it? But I'll tell you what, I'm going to get you guys woke this morning. Are you ready? We're starting a, a, a message uh, that honestly I feel as though you know, there's some things stirring in the spirit here that this is likely going to be a sermon series, but I don't want to tie myself to that or the spirit to that. But our message this morning is this, Kingdom Come. Can we see our graphic so our note takers can, can start at the top of their sheet? Kingdom Come, quite simply, Kingdom Come. This installment of it is going to be subtitled Ambassadors. Ambassadors. You know, this is a... This is a, a sermon that honestly, honestly, I feel is more, uh, more of one that has been thrust on me. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the news this past week, but I've got a headline for you if I could share it with you guys. Can I see that uh, uh, headline? It's a Fox News headline. Surely you guys have seen it, unless you're living under a rock, which I know you Life Story folks don't. Outrage over California, after California bans singing in churches amid coronavirus pandemic. How could this message not be thrust on me when this sort of thing is happening in the world today, in our nation, in California? Ban, the ban of singing in church? You've got to be kidding me. Church, you've seen this, right? What are we going to do with this? What should we do with this? I suppose, uh, first of all, we should, we should pray for California, right? And pray for the churches there, right? Obviously, first thing. But then what? Then what should we do? I guess we should give thanks that we're not in California, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. There's a problem with that, though, uh, church. There's a problem with that, though. We have to understand that what's happening in California is going to happen here. You understand that. We can't just look at the problem that's happening in California and think, well, that doesn't have anything directly to do with us. I'm going to pray for the churches there, you know, pray for California, pray, pray, but, you know, what else can I do, right? No, no, hold on, hold on. We've got to realize that what is happening there is coming here if something doesn't change. If something doesn't change, you can place a wager right now. I'll bet you a dollar. It's coming here. Church. I can remember 20 years ago. Maybe some of you this will uh, some of you will remember this. I remember 20 years ago people would uh, would say watch Europe. Watch Europe because we're only 20 years behind Europe culturally and morally, right? And that was a frightening statement back then because the church over there back then was, was in its death throes. Now the church over there is all but succumbed to its wounds. What we are witnessing here, in my opinion, far exceeds our greatest fears from 20 years ago. If one year ago, hear me now, 
If one year ago you were to tell me that the Washington Redskins would yield to communist globalist mob pressure and change their name, or that NASCAR would do the same and ban the Confederate flag from races, I would have told you that you were nuts. I would have told you that you were nuts. There's not, if you told me that that was gonna happen, 2019, one year ago, I would have told you that you're nuts. Now look, I'm not an advocate for the Confederate flag and I was never uh, a fan of the name Redskins, honestly, but I am an advocate and a fan of liberty. I am an advocate for free speech. Offensive speech, by the way. Offensive speech, I'm sorry if it offends you, right? I'm sorry if the Confederate flag offends you. I'm sorry if the name Washington Redskins offends you. But the bottom line is that offensive speech, hear me now, offensive speech was the very speech that the First Amendment was designed to protect. Think about it. When you're saying something that everybody agrees with and is non-offensive, what do you need to protect that for? You don't need to protect that. What you need to protect is speech that is offensive to people. That's the whole point. I have a right to offend you. And if I have just offended you by saying what I'm saying, that's my right. And I will fight to protect your right to offend me. That's how this works, church. That is what this country was built on. You know, we spent a couple weeks talking about this a couple months ago. Uh, if you missed the series, it was called Are You a Revelationary? Please go and watch it on YouTube if you missed it. There's two installments, but please go and watch it because guess what? Guess what? California has no right to make a law regarding how we choose to practice our religion. Did you get that? California has no right to make a law regarding how we choose practice our religion, California or any other state for that matter, Tennessee for that matter. The, can I see that uh, graphic? The First Amendment reads as such. You'll see it right here. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion. Do you get it? It's right there. Or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Or abridging the freedom of speech, which is expression or of the press, or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble. We covered all this a couple months ago. Like I said, go re-watch, re-watch these messages if you miss them. You'll be liberated. Trust me, you'll be liberated from fear of the mob and their intentions. Mm. So, that's our right. They have no right to do that. I've let them know, right? I just I said it here on live, live internet. Right? And now that they know that, I'm sure that they'll apologize, don't you think? Somebody emailed this video to Governor Newsom uh, so he can get it. He'll hear what I just said and he'll apologize for it, don't you think? I'm sure he will. Not so confident? No? I'm not either. So what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> I actually promoted this message uh, last night on Facebook by asking that question. I said this, can I see that uh, snapshot of the internet? I said, who directs the course of our nation? What is the role of the church? Question mark. And that's really what I'm driving at today. Is it to lead or to follow? 
Is it to pray and then just sit back? Or is it to leave? I mean, much of the church, much of the church, as much as we look forward to rapture, I think uh, much of the church has already got one foot out the door and, and, and the car hasn't even arrived yet. The helicopter hasn't even arrived yet, right? Is it to stand for truth and affect change? Does anybody have an answer? Anybody have an answer? Oh, I've got to show you this. Uh, and a lot of you guys know that uh, uh, we were out in the Black Hills of South Dakota this week, and Jim had sent me a text message while we were out there and asked me if Life Story Service was going to be held at Mount Rushmore this week, like Trump, uh, President Trump hosted his speech on the third. Unfortunately, this is as close as we're going to get to uh, as close as we're going to get to Mount Rushmore today. What do we do, church? What is the role of the church? Does anybody have an answer? You know, does anybody have an answer? That isn't too leading. I'm not being too leading today, am I? Is it to, is it to demand, is it to demand that our leaders govern in accordance with godly principles and the Constitution? Is that our role? is our role to advocate for our king's interests. How about that? You understand, you realize that you are not a citizen of this world, right? If you believe in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has sealed your heart, guaranteeing your inheritance. Your citizenship has changed. You now belong to his kingdom. His kingdom. You're a citizen of heaven, but heaven truly is the dimensional realm where he has all authority, wherever that resides, right? You're a king's kid now. You're his representative. It is our role to advocate for our king's interests. Well, let me just start here scripturally. Let's begin with Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. That's our title uh, scripture for this uh, series or whatever sermon, whether it becomes a series or not. Matthew chapter 6, verse 10. Let's read. You have your Bibles ready? Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth, on earth, underline that, as it is in heaven. You know where this comes from, right? Our Father who art in heaven, he's in heaven, we're here. Holy is your name, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. What does this mean to you when I read this? What do you get out of this? There is a lot to work through today, and we're going we're gonna to work through a lot of it, okay? So let's, let's work through some of these questions that I asked you last night on Facebook, that, that I'm, I've asked you again this morning. What is the role of the church? What are we doing? Let's, let's, let's work some of the, through some of these questions today, because what, what's happening there, like I said, church, California, is coming here if something doesn't change. Let's take the easy one first. Uh, is our role, the role of the church, to pray and then sit back? Just pray and sit back. Is that our role? To handle that one, I want to look to Daniel chapter 9. We're going to spend time today in Daniel chapter 9. So if you've got your Bibles ready, let those Bible pages flip, right? We're going to spend time in Daniel chapter 9, and then we're going to spend time in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. All right? Let's begin. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to be reading the New King James Version. In the first year of Darius, 
the son of Ahaxerxes, of the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. In the first year of his reign, this is Daniel speaking here, get this, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of the years specified by the words of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Why am I starting here? First of all, right off the bat, I think we draw a correlation from him to us real fast. Daniel realized. Daniel realized because he knew the words of the prophet Jeremiah. Daniel realized that the 70-year period was coming to an end, that God had set for, forward uh, forth a specific timeline, and he had told Daniel through the prophet, told his people through the prophet Jeremiah, what would come to pass before they were to be released from uh, bondage. So I, Daniel, understood by the book the number of the years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah the prophet. He knew that the time was coming to an end. And so he pleaded with God, he pleaded with God to honor the promises that he made. Let's keep reading verse 3. Then, then I set my face towards the Lord God to make request by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God, verse 4, and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him. Oh, amen. Merciful God, he keeps his covenant. He's reminding God of who he is. And those who keep his commandments. Verse 5, we have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Verse 6, neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and our princes, to our fathers and all the people of the land. Is anybody identifying with this guy's heart yet? Oh, Lord, it's time. It's time. It's time. He realizes He's looking around. He's seeing what ha what's happening in the world. He sees where they are. They're in bondage, uh, being held captive by a pagan nation, uh, pagan interests and idolatry, worshiping of other gods is bleeding into the people, into his people, where they're right at the time. He knows that God is about to set them free. The time has come. Does anybody identify with this guy at all? I identify with this guy. Do you look around this world that we're living in? Do you see the third kingdom of Israel reborn? Do you see things that were prophesied to come, come to pass before Jesus returned for his bride? Do you see them happening in the world around you? I see them happening in the world around me. Do you identify with this guy's heart yet? I do. So what's, what does he do? It's the first reaction that he has to realizing the time is near. He falls on his face and he pleads for mercy. Even though God has made a promise, he knows that God is going to keep that promise. Still his heart is led to lay down in humility. Let's keep reading. Verse 7. O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face, as it is this day to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and all Israel, those near and those far off in all the countries to which you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. Verse 8, O Lord, to us belongs shame of face. Verse 9, 
to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Verse 9, to the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, though we have rebelled against him. Verse 10, we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his ways, which he set before us by his servants and the prophets. Verse 11, yes, all Israel has transgressed your law. Are you identifying with him yet? All of Israel has transgressed your law and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. Verse 12, And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us a great disaster. For under the whole heaven such has never been done as what has been done to Jerusalem. You know, I thought about, I thought about cutting some of this out. A lot of what I just read you. I thought about cutting some of that out for time's sake, but I decided against it because, uh, church, I think we need to hear it. You know, when you are in the presence of a holy God, when the presence of the Holy Spirit resides within you, the reaction of your heart is is plea for mercy. <laughs> C.S. Lewis always says, you know, it's not until you realize how desperate you are that Christianity begins to talk, right? Or realizing that you are desperate in the presence of a holy God, your flaws, you can't help but, but have your, feel, feel your flaws magnified within you. That's what we're seeing here with Daniel. Not only that individually, but nationally. Can you imagine what God thinks about what this nation has been doing, the state of the United States of America? So much of which has turned its back on God. God, who we have to thank for our very founding, for our very initiation and survival to almost 250 years ago. We owe it to God that we're even here set us on a path for liberty, to be the last bastion of hope in the world, a city, shining city on a hill. Mm. Yet look what we have become. How are our hearts not convicted as Daniel's heart is convicted? I think we need to hear this, church. This is the prayer. This is what the prayer of our nation should sound like, church. At least, at least, if not the nation, if those who have abandoned God and forsaken him, if not them, at least this should be the prayer of a uni the unified voice of the church should be crying out to God with such repentance and appeals for mercy. Oh, but are we? Do we? Do we even have a unified, unified voice in the church anymore? Let's keep reading. Verse 13. I'm telling you, church... Let's keep reading. I don't want a rabbit trail here. Verse 13, As it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Oh, underline this if you're an underliner. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Oh my. All of this disaster has come upon us. Yet we still fail to see the truth. We, as a nation, we still fail to see the truth. We still fail mm. that we might 
turn from our iniquities? Have we truly not reaped enough of a whirlwind yet? Have we truly not reaped enough of the whirlwind to stop sowing the wind as a nation? Verse 14, like I said, we need to hear this. Verse 14, therefore the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all works which he does, though we have not obeyed his voice. Verse 15, and now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name, as it is this day, we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Verse 16, O Lord, According to all your righteousness, I pray. Here we go. Let's get it, church. I pray, let your anger, say it with me for our nation. I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away. Turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for, for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Verse 17, now therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplications, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. One word to describe Daniel here. Can anybody think of one? Come on now, I'll give you a second. Type it in, comment. We've got to get you guys involved today. One word to describe Daniel and the position of his heart. You said humble, right? Humble? Good. It gets more interesting here. Let's read the last two verses. Oh my God. Oh my God. Incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolation and the city which is called by your name. He's reminding him here. He's reminding him here. This is your name that's on the line here. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds. Because there aren't any, likely. But because of your great mercies do we present our supplications. Verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Holy Spirit. Do not delay. This is good underline here. Do not delay for your own sake. If you won't do it for us because we're not worthy, do it for your own sake. My God, for your city and your people are called by your name. Daniel invokes or reveals kingdom thinking here is what he's doing. Do you see that? What do I mean by that? Lord, have mercy. Restore your people, but do it for yourself that you would be glorified. That our suffering would come to an end? Yeah, great. But more than that, more than that, that your word would prove true and that you would be glorified, my king. Mm -mm -mm. You know, <laughs> personal story, I remember years ago, I started a, a songwriter night. Uh, down at 12th and Porter. You're familiar with that if you're a Nashville native. Back when I was singer-songwritering it up uh, in my... 20s or early 30s, whenever it was, late 20s, I think, I started a singer-songwriter night downtown. And I remember the first couple of weeks, we ended up having a good long run with that showcase for a few, uh, a few years. But I remember the first couple uh, shows that we did, we did it on a Monday night. I remember like, nobody came. It was like sparse. And I remember, I remember 
Bing, Bing uh, backstage upstairs, if you guys remember that, you locals. Uh, and I remember walking down the stairs at one point thinking, oh no, uh, just the humiliation of failing. I just couldn't stand the thought of it. I remember praying and saying, Lord, you know, if I just pray that you just bring people in and that this will be a success because you know what? Uh, my... I lift up your name and I carry your name. I carry your banner. Lord, so if, you, if I'm imploring you for your help, if not for my sake, but that for your name, that I, this would be, what I'm trying to do here would be a success because I represent you for no other reason, that you'd be glorified through it. And I could tell people about this prayer one day, and so I have many times. Of course, it obviously, uh, the place filled up uh, within no time and the showcase ran for a couple of years. But... Do you get this? For your sake, King, that you would be glorified. Not that we, that we, yeah, it'd be great that we're delivered. It'd be great that we're delivered. It'd be great if America was healed and restored. But do we deserve it? Do we deserve to be restored and healed? No, no. But you know what? If you'll do that, God, your name will be glorified. Oh, King, and I want that for you. This is a great opportunity for you to do that. I'm kingdom thinking now. I'm getting outside of myself, and I'm thinking about the benefit of my king. Get out of the mindset that just looks out for number one and starts looking out for the benefit of the king. That's what we see here. You know, one of my, obviously, uh, one of my favorite Bible uh, teachers is Ravi Zacharias, apologetic. Uh, One of my favorite quotes of his is this. He says, you know, Scripture... Scripture never hides the scars of its heroes. Never hides the scars of its heroes. I just love that. But I'll add to that in light of our study today. It never fails to reveal the intent of their hearts. It also never fails to reveal the intent of their hearts. Church, you can't hide from the Word of God. You can't hide from it. I don't know who's listening right now that's trying to run from it or or pretend it isn't saying to you what it's saying to you or trying to pretend that you aren't convicted of what it is convicting you of. You can't hide from the Word of God. It will expose you every time. But you know what? It's so worth it. It's so worth it. So, So there we have it. What do you think? Should we pray? Should we pray? Daniel chapter 10, verse 12. Let's jump forward a little bit. Uh, after the scripture that we just read, then an angel comes to Daniel and he gives him the prophecy of the 70, 70 weeks, no doubt uh, correlated to the 70 years of Babylon and the significance there. But let's jump forward. Uh, and an angel is visiting Daniel. He's actually going to give him a prophecy of the wars to come. But here's a, it's in the same context and very relevant to our question. Should we pray? Uh, Daniel 10, verse 12. Verse 12 reads, Then Daniel, then he said to me, excuse me, then he said to me, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day, now are you listening, church? From the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God. Two things there. Set your heart to understand. Write that down, note takers. Set your heart to understand and to humble yourself. Do you want to hear from God? We talked about that in our uh, recent Waiting on God series. 
You want to hear from God? Set your heart to understand. And what? To humble yourself. What word describes Daniel in all of that scripture we just read? Humble. Prostrate before the Lord. The epitome of humility. Humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Read it again. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for here it comes. From the first day, the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of those words. Yes, we pray. Amen? Yes, that's what we're going to do. We're going to pray uh, against uh, the powers that be or trying to shut down the, the worship of our God in California. And surely we'll try to come here afterwards. It's the same demonic spirit that's operating there that wants to get that same foothold here. That's a demonic spirit that's operating against God's church in California. Do you understand that? We need to understand that church. The spiritual realm and the spiritual struggle that we are in is very real. We struggle not against flesh and blood but against darkness and principalities of this dark, wicked age. Mm. But we do not wage war as the world wages war. No, we pick up instruments of the Spirit. Amen. So yes, we pray. Yes, we pray. But what about the rest of the question, huh? What about the rest of the question? Can I see that illustration again of the, uh, our questions from Facebook last night? I want to directly answer to these. What is the role of the church? Is it to lead or to follow? Is it to pray and then just sit back? Or is it to leave? I'm out of here. Forget y'all. You know what? Not my circus, not my monkeys. <laughs> Have your crazy and keep it too, right? Is that the role of the church, really? Is that what he's got us here for still? You know, he could come anytime. Why hasn't he? Is it to stand for truth and effect change? What is the role of the church? You know it. This is, a, this is low-lying fruit, these questions. We lead, right? We lead. We don't follow the world. We don't shrink back, do we? Of course not. So why have we then? So why have we then? Let's take the first part of that. What's the role of the church? I want to read 2 Corinthians 11 through 21 to you. Can we take that? I'm going to read the NIV version. You know, I usually try to stick to a Textus Receptus Codex uh, translation, but this way I've uh, compared and contrast, and there's nothing lost here, and I like the way it reads in our English better. So let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 through 21. Since then... We know what it is to fear the Lord, Paul writes. Because we know what it is to fear the Lord, or you know what fear the Lord is, we've talked about this as reverence, right? It's reverence. Fear in the sense that if you looked up today and you saw the sky rip in half, wouldn't you humble and lower yourself and just be in fear of the Lord, reverence for his power and glory? Because we fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God. It's apparent. And I hope that it is also plain to your conscience. We're not pretending to be, in other words, Paul here is saying, we're not pretending to be anything uh, we are not here. Verse 12, 
We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but you know what? We are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us. That's true. So that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in the heart. Verse 13. If we're out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. We are, Paul here is saying, he's saying, you know what? We are certainly not trying to blend in to avoid any kind of awkwardness. We are certainly, as the church here, Paul's saying, not trying to blend in to avoid offending anybody. All right? We're not trying, not trying to avoid offending anybody. We're not trying to avoid awkwardness. We're not trying to blend in. You think that we're out of, you might think that I'm, I'm out of my mind. How could you think that way or vote that way? Whatever it is. You know what? If I am out of my mind, as some say, it's for God. Let that be said of us. Amen? Let's keep reading. If we are in our right mind, then it's for you. Verse 14, for Christ's love compels us. Underline this. Why? Because we are convinced. I love that. Are you convinced? Just push the pause button and take a step back. Not on the video here. but On your thoughts and take a step back, church. Are you really convinced that Jesus Christ is Lord? Are you really convinced? Do you truly have that fear of God that I just talked about, that reverence, that holy awe of God? Are you in awe of God? Are you in awe of what Jesus did for you? Even though you are void of, with your lack of deserving it, I guess that's a good way to say it. Are you in awe of Jesus and his love? Are you in awe of it? Are you convinced? Because Paul says, because we are convinced. Keep reading that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live, underline this, pay attention. Now listen to me, church. If you're living your life in both worlds, if you're trying to be a citizen of earth and a citizen of heaven, listen up that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him. What are you living for? Church, what are you living for? You living for yourself? Living to gratify the flesh? Living to accomplish your hopes of wealth and everything else? living to glorify yourself, to be admired and honored by other men and women? Are you living, or are you living to please the king? What did Paul say? What's what Paul said? As we said, we live to please the king. Let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. No longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Verse 16. So, from now on, how oh, get this deep down in your spirit, church. From now on, we regard no one from a worldly perspective. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. At one point, the disciples themselves regarded him earthly, worldly. They walked with him. They met him as they were growing in their faith, growing to understand who he was as Messiah, what he was there to do. They didn't even fully comprehend everything that he was doing until he was gone. Road to Emmaus, anybody? Right? 
the disciples didn't even fully comprehend all of the prophecy and scripture that he was fulfilling at the time until after he was gone. At one point they regarded him as, as uh, earthly, but they do so no longer. From now on, we regard no one. That's powerful, church. We regard no one from a worldly point of view. In other words, in other words, get this now. I don't see people as the world sees them. I don't see people as society sees people. I don't see people as class sees people. I don't see people uh, as, as the culture does. My culture is a kingdom culture. As a citizen of the, ki of the kingdom of God. Mm. Verse 17, therefore, therefore, with all this in mind, this context in mind, but how you see people, how you see the world, your point of view, right? With all that in mind, verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself through Christ. Underline this, not counting, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, here it comes. Are you ready for the big uh, uh, hammer drop? Verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Do you understand that? We need to understand that as the church. I'm afraid that we have lost sight of that. More on that in a second. Let's finish this out. We are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you. I love that in the Greek. It's a word that means earnestly beg. Imagine the Apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, earnestly begging his brothers and sisters in the Corinthian church are begging you, he says, be reconciled to God. For God made him, verse 21, for God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You're, you are Christ's ambassador. What's an ambassador? Can I see that? Let's take a look. Here's the definition. According to... Uh, the Life Application Study Bible, which is one of my favorite study Bibles, just in the notes, anybody can find it, right? According to that, uh, this is the definition of ambassador. Let's take a look. As ambassador, excuse me, an ambassador is an official representative, you get that? On behalf of one country to another. So in other words, one kingdom to another kingdom. What was Paul saying in the context of that? We don't share a worldly point of view anymore. Why? Because he has a kingdom point of view, kingdom of God point of view. Isn't that what repentance means after all? To change our minds, to change our worldview, change how we view things. The moment you you're change your mind, you believe, right? And, and that's how we gain salvation. Let's keep reading. As believers... We are Christ's ambassadors sent with his message of reconciliation to the world. An ambassador of reconciliation has an important responsibility. 
We dare not take this responsibility lightly. I love that, church. My goodness. You still with me? You are a kingdom representative here. That is your role. What's the role of the church? You are a kingdom representative. It is your responsibility, not somebody else's. I don't care if you think I'm not a pastor. I'm not a worship leader. I don't even serve uh, anywhere in the church. I, just, I, I go to church and I go to work and I love Jesus and that's it. No, I'm sorry. That's not it. That's not all there is for you. You have a responsibility, hear me here, to advocate for our king's interests. Have you ever thought of it that way? It is your responsibility in that restaurant where you work and wait tables. It is your restaurant in your family where you're the only believer. It is your responsibility when you vote. It is your responsibility in your community to advocate for our king's interests. One government to another government. Oh, but the church isn't supposed to talk about politics and be involved in politics. Are you kidding me? What does an ambassador do? One nation to another nation. One kingdom to another kingdom. You're an ambassador of the kingdom of God. You're supposed to, by definition, you're supposed to have relations with the governments of earth. Because you're a... You are a worker of the government of heaven, according to the Bible, not according to me. Church, my goodness. Heaven's interests advocated for here on earth. Hmm. So why don't we do that? Because the church doesn't do that. It certainly does a poor job, or it's few and far between, and far too few of us do so, if at all. Have we surrendered? Have we surrendered? Have we yielded the land to the enemy? Have we called retreat? Have we waved the white flag and we just wait for the evacuation helicopter to arrive and take us up out of here? Is that what we're doing? How have we gotten to where we are as a nation when so many profess to be Christian? And I know those numbers are not accurate. You know, seven out of ten people say they're a Christian when they're polled. We know it's not that high. We know it's not even close to that high. But just look at the people that still attend church in this country, if nothing else, regularly. Right? That many people? I'm telling you, church, if that many people accepted their role as a kingdom representative, as an advocate for kingdom principles and morality, <laughs> those many people accepted their role as an ambassador? Oh my. The things that we watch the news and we're shocked by and we just can't believe it's happening, they wouldn't happen. They would not happen because somebody would stand in the way. You would stand in the way. Elected officials would be afraid to go against the tide of popular opinion. You know, you employ them, right? So have we just waved the white flag? Have we called retreat? Is that our role? Is that our role? Going back to our questions posted last night on Facebook? 
Is our, is our, did God put us here just to leave? Is that what we're here for, really? To sit back like the Thessalonians? Oh boy, church, look, I get it. I get it. I understand the feeling. I do. Paul understood the feeling. You know, let's back up. I read 11 through 21. Same chapter, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Let's read the front part of that, shall we? Verse 1 through 10. Verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. He's talking of our flesh here. Verse 2. Meanwhile, Listen to him now, he gets it. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead of our heavenly dwelling, instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Being found naked is ashamed, and obviously the elements, and it's very, uh, it's a wonderful metaphor. Uh, verse 4. For while we are in this tent, this body, we groan and are burdened. Do we not? I do. Good Lord. People always told me that turning 40, your body's going to betray you. And I'm like, really, body? You serious? You serious right now? But it's so much more than that. The heartbreak and the pain of heartbreak that we experience in this life is far, far greater in most cases than the bodily pain that we experience. Verse 4, while we are in this tent, we groan and we are burdened. Paul understands guys. He understands because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly body, our transfigured, perfected, glorified body. So that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Let it swallow up this mortal body and let me put on the immortal. Amen. Verse five. Now, now the one who has fashioned us, get this, I underlined it, for this very purpose, What's the role of the church? For this very purpose is God. The one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God. You have a purpose, whether you feel like it or not, church. It's God who fashioned us for this purpose, who has given, has given us the Spirit as a, as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. Verse 6, therefore, therefore, we are always confident. Are you confident? We are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. Mm. Oh, to be there to look on his eyes blazing with fire. Amen. Verse 7, for we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. There it is again. Verse 8, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Anybody say amen? And amen, and everybody said amen this time. We'd prefer it. So we make it our goal to please him, but we prefer it, but guess what? It's not happening. We're here. It must be for a purpose. And guess what? For his purpose. His purpose, and that's why he fashioned us the way that he did, is for his purpose. So we make it our goal to please him. Is that your goal, church? Whether we're at home in the body or away from it, verse 10, for we must all appear one day before the judgment seat. Interesting thing about this judgment seat. It's not salvational. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 also references the judgment seat and talking about when uh, uh, the Roman church, they were judging their brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul said, don't judge each other. 
Look, everybody's going to be before the judgment seat one day. He's speaking to the church, so he's talking to saved people about the judgment seat, all right? For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. The point is here, church. Hear me now. The point is, Paul wanted to go home to be with Jesus, okay? But understood his role was to be an ambassador and to please the king. An ambassador and to please the king. Acting as his representative here. Sharing the message of reconciliation. And it's the same for you. I'm afraid the church has laid down this responsibility. I'm afraid the church has laid down this responsibility to a great degree. And what we're seeing in California, California and across this nation, tearing down statues of Jesus now, tearing down statues of Abraham Lincoln and now Jesus, I think an elk got tore down in Milwaukee. My goodness, or wherever it was. I'm afraid the church has laid down this responsibility, and, and that's why we're seeing what we're seeing in this nation. Church, we can't disengage society. Do you hear me? We can't disengage society. We cannot disengage government. As a matter of fact, does anybody at Life Story Church want to run for office? I'll ask that. I heard a preacher just say that uh, yesterday. Does anybody at Life Story Church? I hope so. I hope that's what our kingdom mind is thinking. We're ambassadors here. We're supposed to be advocating for the, our king, his principles, his purposes, here, now, to the government and the powers that be. My goodness, we need to have as great an influence in this world as possible, especially locally, on every level. My goodness. Mm, we cannot disengage government and politics just because we're tired. Paul was tired. Don't you know Paul was tired? You hear it in his voice. Pray that he will give you strength. Pray that he'll give you strength. Do you, not, do you not know, think about this, do you not know that the United States is predisposed, the United States is predisposed to giving our ambassadors any supply that they need to accomplish uh, the objective that our president has given them? We send out ambassadors, accomplish this objective, and you know what? If they need something, they call back, and what do we do? We send it. Amen? Mm. Unless it's an ambassador to Libya during the Obama administration, right? That's trying to cover up an arms deal or something like that. I don't know. Generally, though, of course we do. Of course the United States supports its ambassadors, make sure they have everything that they need. The king supplies the ambassadors, church, with, with military cover if needed. The supplies that they need. He supports his ambassadors. I know you're tired. I get that. But it doesn't change who you are. and It doesn't change your role. It doesn't change your responsibility to advocate for the king's policies here and now to be engaged, you know? But the king will give you what you need. If you're tired, guess what he'll give you? He'll give you strength. He'll give you what you need. Daniel chapter 10, verse 17 and 19. Don't believe me? Listen. Daniel says, How can I, your servant, talk with you, my Lord? My strength is gone, and I can hardly breathe. Anybody feel like that? ever 
Again, the one who looked like a man touched me. That's the angel who came with the message. And he gave me strength. Verse 19, do not be afraid, you who are highly esteemed. Oh, man, to be called highly esteemed by an angel? You know that he, they know who Daniel is up in heaven, right? You are highly esteemed. He said, peace, be strong now, be strong. When he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, speak, my Lord, since you have given me strength. Amen. There is strength available for you. Church, do you hear me? You hear me? Do we pray? Yes, but then we don't just sit back. No, we engage. We engage. We embrace the responsibility that we have here to be kingdom-minded, advocating for the interests of our king. It is our responsibility. Amen. Come on now. It's our responsibility to stand for truth and effect change in this world, to advocate for the king's interests. Where was the church when the Bible was taken out of schools? Where was the church? Where was the church when Roe v. Wade was passed, leading to the murder of over 600,000 babies every year since 1973? And that's a conservative number. Many estimates back, I did, uh, looked into these numbers a few years ago, and guess what? Some estimate 73 million since 1973. That was a couple years ago. In 10 years, will we ask, where was the church when worship was banned? Because what's happening there is coming here if something doesn't change it. Who's going to change it? Who's going to stand in the way? And there's a few churches trying to stand in the way retroactively. Oh, should our government not fear to take away that right from the churches? My goodness. Where will we ask where was the church when worship was banned in Nashville, Tennessee, in the United States of America? Or will we ask where was the church when gathering in person at all was banned? Will we ask where was the church when forced vaccinations were passed as law. Where was the church when statues of Christ were tore down in front of us? You do understand that it's a violation of the Constitution to make uh, any law or state mandate that prohibits singing or gathering, in any number, by the way, it's unconstitutional. Regardless of any virus that has a 0.026 death rate, regardless of any virus that has a 0.026 death rate, and half of that if you're under 55, it's unconstitutional. By the, that death rate, by the way, is from the CDC, the same CDC that just a couple months ago told you that wearing masks was pointless. And if you are going to wear a mask, it better be an N95 mask and... Uh, really, to do any good, it, you should have a face shield on as well. But I guess wearing bandanas around your face is good enough. I mean, if we're gonna, if it's really about health, uh, then shouldn't it be about health? My goodness, church. And I'm not saying, look, if you want to wear a mask, wear a mask, all right. But the science says it better be an N95. But that's not what the law is, is it? Where was the church? How about this one? Where was the church when your mayor mandated that churches be closed 
And then he headed downtown to protest in the streets, shoulder to shoulder with about 5,000 other people. Will the church stand up at any point for the love of all that is good and holy? It is our responsibility to stand for truth and effect change in this world, to advocate the king's interest, to preach reconciliation. Yes, this world was created for you. You've got to understand that. You've got to get this. I'm, I'm just this. I'm going to heaven. It's too much here. I'm too tired. I'm too wore out. I just got to get out of here. Lord, come get me. That's it. You got to get that. You've got to adopt a kingdom mentality. You know what? Jesus is coming to rapture the church, but you know what he does? When he comes and raptures the church, it's only for seven years. And then guess what? We come back and we rule and reign for a thousand. Why? Because man was created to take dominion over the earth. That's what we were supposed to do in the first place until Satan usurped that from Adam. We're designed to be here. How much of the church is just trying to get out of here? Guess what? You won't be out of here for long. You're supposed to be here. That's why he designed you this way. That's what Paul's talking about. He designed you for his purposes here. We go for seven years, but guess what? A thousand years is a day, a day is a thousand years. We're there for an hour. We have a marriage supper and we're back. Things are set right. Once and for all, my goodness, church. Now, I used to hear the saying, there was a saying that says, you know, you don't want to be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good, right? I always hated that saying, you know, because like that's not, first of all, people say it like it's in the Bible. It's not in the Bible, okay? And it's not a bad thing to be very uh, uh, heavenly minded in the sense that your, your mind is set on the things of God, right? It's actually a great thing to be very kingdom minded. But so to be heavenly minded, uh, and you're so heavenly minded, you're of no earthly good. Maybe there's something to it. If you look at it from the kingdom lens, if you're so going to heaven minded and getting out of here, yeah, you can be no earthly good to the kingdom because you're abandoning your responsibilities as an ambassador here. And that's and so much of the church has done that that that's the biggest reason that we find ourselves in this position. And yeah, obviously the pulpits are responsible, as I've said a thousand times. My goodness, Satan hates you. <laughs> Exciting news, right? He hates you, and he's been trying to take this place from you, and since he snatched it out of Adam's hands, and he doesn't want you to have it back. He doesn't. He knows. He knows, like Daniel knew, like you should know, that time is about up. Time is about up. That, that rapture of the church is about to happen. It is time, church. It is time that we humble our hearts, hit the floor in prayer, and stand back up in the strength of the Lord and start advocating for the kingdom of God's interests here and now. Amen? I hope, I hope you're with me. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 1 and 2 reads, As God's co-workers, in closing here, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Vain in the Greek means an empty, meaningless way. For he says, listen up, church. In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of salvation, I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. 
Now is the day of salvation. Think of Paul's words there. That's coming right out of chapter 5, which we just studied all morning here. That's what he's saying. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. With every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here this morning and the Holy Spirit is bringing conviction to your heart, maybe you have not embraced your role as an ambassador or maybe you've been unaware of it to a certain degree. Whatever it is, if the Holy Spirit is leading you and convicting you in whatever way, there's so much scripture we went through this morning, it could have been anything, honestly. Could, are you living, are you living, have you been living your life with a, a worldly mentality and not a kingdom mentality? Have you been living your life for yourself and not for the kingdom? Have you been living not as an ambassador of Christ? Have you been living your life with an escapist mentality? And saying some prayers and then just sitting back, whatever it is, church, I want you to give it to the Lord right now. You know, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He sees you, he hears you. Just as he hear, heard Daniel, as the angel said, from the day you prayed, since the day you humbled your heart and you prayed, you were heard, and I was sent. Church, if that's you, whatever it is, I'm going to give you an opportunity to bring that to the Lord right now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you love us. Lord, see the heart of your people. See our nation, God. We pray for our nation, the United States of America, God. The nation that you had the hand in founding. We wouldn't be here without you, Lord Jesus. Your nation, pray as Daniel, let's pray as Daniel prayed. Lord, this nation, our nation, God, we've turned our backs on you, Father. Your church has failed to stand up for your interests here, your kingdom interests. Lord Jesus, we as a nation have failed you as ambassadors for your kingdom, Lord. Lord, see us now and for your sake, restore our nation, God. For your sake, for your honor, for your glory, Lord, heal this land, Father, and restore our nation to morality and godly principles. Jesus, hear our hearts, Lord. Lord, I have failed. Say it if that's you. I have failed to live up to all you have called me to be. I've failed to walk as a bold ambassador of your interests here. God, I've shrunk back. I've sat back, Father. I've disengaged, Father. I've grown weary. I've grown tired, Father. Strengthen me now. Strengthen me now, and I know you will. Lord Jesus, enable me and give me opportunities, Father, to glorify you and to further your kingdom purposes here, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Now let's keep, stay, stay with your hearts yielded here. If there's somebody here who has never given their heart to Jesus Christ, oh, it's so worth it. The word of God exposes all, but it's so worth it, as we said. Pray with me now. If that's you, say, Jesus, I surrender my heart to you. I surrender my life to you. <laughs> I believe that you are who your word says that you are. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe you are the Messiah of Israel that, you've, that you have reconciled through the cross. You've reconciled me to you. You've reconciled your people to yourself, to the Father. 
through the empty tomb you live in, and I may live because you live. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and make me new and walk with me all the days of my life. Call me out of darkness into light. Mm, Give me your kingdom purposes. Strengthen me to be the ambassador that you've called me to be. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour his favor out on your lives. May you walk and not grow weary. May you have the strength of the Holy Spirit pushing you, urging you, lifting your head, lifting your spirits. May you prosper in all you do for kingdom purposes and God's glory. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, we love you guys. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It's good to be home.